What do you do when you're facing challenges to remember that God is all there is? How do you apply spiritual principle in the real world? What are your daily spiritual practices? These are the kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. Hey everybody, welcome to Say Yes to Spirit. I'm Tracy. I'm Leslie. Today. Just today. Only today. And yeah. we're so glad you joined us. If this is your first time listening to Say Yes to Spirit, um, just buckle your seat <laughs> and get ready for the ride. Uh, every week we get together and simply have a conversation about what does it mean to say yes to spirit. How is our life? when we are saying yes to spirit, and how is our life when we're not saying yes to spirit. Um, and every week we have a theme, and that theme is simply a place for us to start or to go back to <laughs> when we get distracted and go all down the bunny path. Um, but today our theme is getting unstuck. So that implies it's possible. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's good news for me. I'll take that. Yes. It's possible. Yeah, so we'll talk about that. What does it mean to be to get unstuck? Um, how do you do that? How does saying yes to spirit help you to do that? Ah. Um, and uh, But before we do that, we always want to connect the dots with our most recent theme. Fear. Yes, our last fear. show was all about fear. So... Leslie, is there any connection between <laughs> fear and getting unstuck? I think there's a connection between fear and being stuck. There you go. So that's my, uh, if I am in fear, I am certainly stuck. So perhaps the way I get out of fear is to get, I mean, to get out of being stuck, get out of fear. We can just end the show there. I've basically unlocked the passageway to getting unstuck. Get out of the fear. All right. There so you go. Nice being with you all this <laughs> week. And, I'm thinking uh, that's really probably it, actually. Yes. It's a good connect the dots, though. It's a great connect the dots. So um, we'll take a quick break, and then we will be back talking about getting unstuck and saying yes to spirit. Yeah, I was trying to think. I was 
thinking about a friend of mine years ago said um, that I had like a lighthouse, you know, the lighthouses in the ocean, you know, in the, on the on the oceans. That my lighthouse, the light was out there on the ocean, searching for the next horrible thing that was about to happen. I was way out there in the ocean, looking. What's going to happen it's next? Coming. It's coming. Exactly right. Knowing and you know. So they were, they were saying this was how they lived their life. No, no, they, they were, were suggesting that, that they were describing okay. me. But you know, I, 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 well, I didn't want it. Long, ago. long, long yeah. time ago. And um, <laughs> at least last week. And they, um, and they, and I thought that was such a good point. Actually, I talked about that this week with the women in the Dallas County Jail, where I spent some time working. That 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 is such an energetic um, reality. If I'm searching for that next bad thing, I'm bringing that ship into my harbor. And if I'm searching for the next good thing, then, you know, obviously I'm bringing that energy, that wave into my harbor. And it's really um, that future events appearing real, like we talk about with fear, that is, I think, how I get most stuck. I had an event last night where I was trying to help someone with a couple of her animals. Can you imagine that, Tracy? I know it's completely surprising to you. But I was in fear of it, in what was going to happen and how it was going to work out. And, you know, I had just gotten all caught up, all stuck. It was just felt like the day was just, oh, and I was like, oh, dreading, oh. And then when the actual event came, it just went so smoothly, went so nicely. Everything worked out perfectly. I'm like... Oh, wow. Think of the time I wasted. And isn't that the real thing? You know, because when the event itself happens, without a doubt, we're given what we need to, I'm given what I need to handle it. But it's when I try to go, you know, forward or go back. And the thing, the, the good thing about that is, you know, you experience that in the course of a day. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So... A lot of times we do that, but the stuck feeling for me comes when, you know, it's a pattern. Mm. So, you know, in one day, then it happens and everything turns out okay and I'm, it, I let it go. So it doesn't feel stuck except I might be stuck in a pattern of anticipating bad. But when I'm going through life and I feel like I'm stuck, like things just aren't working and you know, one thing after another isn't panning out the way I wish it would or believe it should. And I do think, you're, I think I agree with you that I have expectation that it's not going to work out, so I'm attracting that. Mm-hmm. But I just get stuck. I get afraid to move forward. Right. I get afraid to, it's, it is a, this is a great, uh, follow-up to the show mm-hmm. on fear, because if I allow the fear to grow or right. even just to stay at the level it is, right. I get stuck and I end up being stuck in the fear. I end up being in that whatever that horrible, uncomfortable, disempowering place is, right. I'm still there because I'm not moving yes. through it. Yes. I'm not moving into something that looks or feels different. So consequently, I'm in this week's topic, which is stuck, I'm stuck, I'm stuck. There should be a song. (laughs) I found a song earlier this week called Shut Up. No. That was funny, but anyway. A song called Shut Up. Yes, I'm Black Eyed Peas. But anyway, yes, I was surprised. But anyway, but stuck, I think, is a good name for a song. Other than physical song. like stuck in love, you know, I'm stuck on you or that, but stuck. How are you stuck in your life? You know, Robin Hackett actually has a song that um, is about, that's interesting. I, I had never thought about it this way, but it's about not recognizing your destiny when it's right in front of you. Oh. And not, if, if, um, you know, if your destiny walked in the door right now, would you recognize her? Mm-hmm. You know, not just in terms of love or whatever, mm-hmm. but here's what you are uniquely designed to do. If we're right there in front of you, yes. 
and you don't look at it or you don't touch it or you don't step into it. Right. And um, so, yeah, we'll have to send Robin Hackett, Grammy-nominated Robin Hackett, um, an email or a Facebook message and ask her the name of that song. Yeah. I can I can hear it in my mind, um, but I can't hear enough of the lyrics to get to the chorus mm-hmm. that has the name of the song mm-hmm. in it. But, yeah, it could be right in front of us, and we're stuck, so we don't see it. You know, a lot of the work that I do is inner child. That's been kind of a healing tool for me over the years. And um, I'm working with an older woman now, older older than me is old. But she's in her late 60s, and she's never really experienced any kind of self, exploration of her trauma from, you know, 50 years ago. And working with her inner child, she got this image right away of her, like, self, like six months or a year, right when you're starting to crawl, and she was crawling out of a tar pit. And she saw this vision of she's trying to crawl, she's trying to pull herself out, and the tar has her stuck. Wow. And so she went through this visualization. She's... um. Christian and how she verbalize, you know, languages her faith, and so she had this vision of Jesus coming down and washing off the tar, nice, and freeing her out of that place of being stuck. And I thought, nice, there's a lot of that energy that we get stuck in, like 60 years ago. I mean, that's stuck, right? And so, how do we get unstuck from that? Well, I do think it takes a bit of a spiritual metamorphosis to allow us, to, you know, there's not, I can't do that by myself. So saying yes to spirit or bringing spirit into this experience with me, um, that's where kind of I can become washed, get my tar off of me that I don't even, I don't have the capacity to do that by myself, I don't think. That's a very powerful image. And that is how it feels yes. sometimes. Mm-hmm. Really, because I don't even think, you know, the image of, quote-unquote, drowning in quicksand, I don't think when I'm stuck I have that sense of flailing or or drowning, you know, going down. deeper or down. I, I don't even realize it. For me, this idea of being stuck is more like when I am immobilized but I don't even realize I'm immobilized. Do you know what I mean? I'm in I'm in a habitual state of doing what I'm doing or responding the way I respond and it feels normal. Uh-huh. It just feels like this is the way life is. Right. And so I don't often realize I'm stuck. Uh-huh. I just think I'm doing life. Right. So the the woman you just used as an example, yeah, so whatever has happened that has allowed her in her, you know, mid to late 60s to go, wait a minute. It isn't, right? It can't know, be. But for five decades, yes. it was right. just the way life is. Yes, right. So I think a lot of times when we're stuck, we're not necessarily complaining. Isn't that sad? <laughs> it's become so much our lives. Yeah, I mean, it's scary. Uh It's like, what am I stuck? And in that sense, it makes me realize sometimes we get stuck not because bad things have happened, but because good things have happened. I'm, I'm so used to being on automatic and the check comes, you know, I have a job, the check comes, it's in direct deposited into my account. I get used to that, and I'm just stuck in that pattern of going to work, spending the money, going to work, spending the money, and I act as if that's always going to be the case. And then I get laid off after 20 years or after 15 years with that employer. I have no plan. I have no vision. I'm just stuck in the way it has been. I don't know what to do. I have no real goals. I have no 
real ambition, I'm stuck. As if what's been happening is the way life is. That's being stuck too. Yes. You know, it's kind of like the thought came when you were talking, it's it's the difference between being conscious and unconscious. Yes. And I can be unconscious and be in a negative state or unconscious and be in this, you know, like you said, great job, great family, but it's still very unconscious. You know, it's fun times, soccer on Saturdays, great church, but it's still unconscious. And so, sadly, many times the human experience kicks us with some sort of quote-unquote tragedy or something dramatic happens, and it kind of wakes us up and causes us to be conscious but I think we can make that choice. We can we can stop and sit and say, you know, here's my life. Here's the whole whole picture of it. Maybe it's, you know, really going well externally, but how is it internally? Maybe it's externally not going so well, yes. but internally going well. You know, but, but again, to become conscious and to stop and to look at that becomes the thing, I mean, becomes the choice. And until I'm conscious, I can't make a choice. And until I'm making a choice, then I'm not really, I'm not really, um, I'm not really engaged, I guess, in the right, you know, I'm not, I can't be fully awake unless I understand that I'm living in choice. I used a lot of catchphrases in that sentence. Did you notice I like that? A lot of little awake and choice and conscious. Just saying, that's a, that's a high power 50 cent sentence. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> Come again. Tip the waitress. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you have this idea of choice, of being conscious, is critical. Because, yeah, I, initially I'm thinking, oh, get unstuck. You know, you're stuck. You're in a bad place. But there have been times in my life, and I can just start ticking off people, you know, putting checks by people I know right now who are very much stuck, and they would not, they do not feel they are in a bad place. Yes, right. You know, they have a job. They their bills are being paid every month, and they have a family they love. Yes, you know, and and they have. You know, challenges, daily life challenges that come up in the course of a week or month, a year. And they have the resources, not just money, but family support or medical insurance or whatever, to navigate that territory. Right. And in a way, they are stuck, as you said, because they're unconscious or they assume they're not so much directed by intention uh-huh. as they are by habit. Yes. And the things they I'm thinking of one person in particular who keeps coming to the forefront of my mind, and, you know, I think part of her, what she complains about and how she judges others is actually a representation for her being stuck but not realizing it. Right. Judging others about what they should do or shouldn't be doing and is more like, you know, not so much my life is perfect, but instead of turning her criticism onto herself, right. that that this quiet that she feels, she looks outside for the blame of it. Yes. It's what other people are doing. And... Um, and they should know better, or she has a better idea of what they should do. Uh-huh. And uh, that her the things she does complain about in her own life are really a representation of lack of direction or lack of choosing. I can't choose anything else. I mean, this is what I do. This is what I know. So... That is that piece of not, of just being unconscious, you know. I think I have to do the same thing over and over and over because that's what I've always done. Right, and it is it is um it's a universal truth. I we don't like to hear this, but anything that's disturbing or upsetting in someone else is 
ticking something off in me or I wouldn't be charged by it. I would notice it. I think that's an interesting... I always have to remind myself of this. It's not like I'm going to not notice if someone's gossiping. But I'm going to say, oh, man, they must be really... That's a hard place. If they have to gossip, that, that that's too bad for them. I'm sad that their life is such that that's the only way they find joy. But if I get all caught up in, oh, Sally Sue's that gossiper. Oh, she's just such a... Can you imagine having not anything else to do better with your time? If I get that charge, then it's something in me. And it's really so hard to to really know that. And, but it's so true. If I get charged up about something, it's hooking something in me. And and boy, try to tell that to somebody that isn't aware of that. <laughs> try to tell it to yourself. Well, I do that all the time. And I also tell other people, it's something to do with you. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. I mean, it's not wait, if I try to tell that to myself, I'm <laughs> like, oh, like you said, I really don't want to hear that. I really uh-huh. don't want to look in the mirror. I really don't want to sit down and... Think about what's happening inside of me that would make me have that judgment about someone else and know that I'm so right. Yeah. Yeah. The more right I am, yeah. And I also like what you said about it's not that we don't notice what's going on or what's happening. You know, I was in a meeting this week and um, this past week and and as you were talking, I imagine, I, you know, I pictured us sitting around the table, this group, and how we reacted, how different people reacted to the same stimulus, to the same exact same stimulus, right. and the judgments and the assumptions. It's like, okay, everybody, they're, you know, 12 different people, and they're going to hear things differently and see different things in it. But, yeah, there were a couple of people who it was almost like, well, if you all don't agree with me and see it my way, then there was this whole story about, you know, everybody else, everybody else, clearly wasn't ready to, you know, was less than because they weren't in agreement with that one person's perspective. Right. And then the the kind of, so I'm going to take my toys and go home because oh. you all aren't ready. Uh-huh. You know, you all aren't you there. poor yet. little being. And it's like, oh, yeah, from this perspective, it's, it's, the projection, and it's the reaction, you know, especially in one case, that person had such a reaction and the judgment, but really it was not looking at self. Right. Or only looking at self and not looking at the big picture. And, wow. Okay. Look at Tracy. Yeah, now my my wheels. <laughs> You're having are, a little moment there for yourself. Well, my wheel the wheels are turning, and I'm like replaying this whole conversation and going, oh, that's really an interesting thing to look at and to be reminded of. And when we're stuck as an individual and we have to interact with a group of people, we can make the whole group be stuck. Sure. Yeah. If I'm really committed to being stuck. I can slow I down the If engine. I can't see beyond, if I can't make a conscious choice to move beyond what my perception is in in um, by paying attention to where the group is, right. then I can impede the progress of the group. Right. Because I refuse to move forward. Or I move forward, I move forward, with a grudge or with comments or with things that actually are demonstrating I'm still back where I was instead of with where the group is. The What is that? The, <clears throat> the chain is only as strong as the weakest link? Terms you are of, really... Yeah, what is this witty day? Day? I tell you, I don't know. What is that? You had a good Did night. I have enough Please coffee or, or too much coffee or enough coffee? I don't know. Just the right amount of coffee. But it is uh, fascinating to watch, you know, to watch myself. I always do love that, actually. It's my it's my most fun thing to do, to sit back and watch myself like a movie. 
but to you know to to interact in group settings and to be conscious in that experience and detached you know that whole concept of being detached with love an al-anon concept um is so helpful in a group dynamic so that I'm not really attached to myself or my limited ideas. I told somebody the other day, you know, it's really difficult for me because I just go in with the premise that I'm the smartest one in the room. So if I go in with that premise, <laughs> everybody else clearly should just get on board. It would be easier. But um, I know a lot of people like that. <laughs> I know way too many people who play out that scenario. Uh-huh makes it very challenging sometimes. To be in a group dynamic, yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, way too many people. (laughs) And and the the challenge of, you know, finding friends, finding partners, finding community that is equally working or in desire of or being present to the conscious choice of life and it not just being a language kind of thing. I think I have, and I'm really, have lived a lot of my life in the intellectual understanding of healing, the intellectual understanding of spiritual metamorphosis, the intellectual understanding of all these things. And I think I've just recently begun to embody it in terms of emotion and physical experience and that is two totally different things and the language of it it can be very um deceiving because if i if i have the language down really well it's such a disconnect from the experience that when the experience starts happening it, it can be it was very kind of frightening for me because i didn't understand what was happening because i thought i have you know i've done this been there done that have 17 t-shirts, paid $17,000 in therapy, done all these spiritual retreats. But the embodying of it is a whole different thing. And if people are in a room, if we're all in a room in different stages of that. Yes, which we are always. Right, right. I want to, yeah, I want to be conscious of my stage, I guess. So in the book, The Art of Uncertainty, How to Live in the Mystery of Life and Love It by Dennis Merritt Jones, which, yes, I quoted a lot last week and I'll probably quote a lot next week (laughs) as well. Um, He has a chapter, chapter number 12 is titled, How Conscious Are Your Choices? Uh And he starts the chapter with a quotation by Gary Zukas, who I know you like. Uh Uh-huh. Choice is the engine of our evolution. If you choose unconsciously, you will evolve unconsciously. (laughs) If you choose consciously, you will evolve consciously. I like that. And and so much of our being stuck... Back to the same. ...is that we are evolving unconsciously. You made that... Point earlier that we're not making a conscious choice. And so I love that reminder that one of the ways to get unstuck is to be intentional, to yeah. be, to really look at what's happening, consider all the possibilities, and then make a conscious choice about where to stand, what to do, and how to respond instead of just react. You know, it's a fascinating thing. You know, how do I become conscious? How do I become conscious? And for me, it's about having a daily practice of sitting still, even if it's just 60 seconds. And I, you know, have gone from having 30 minutes a day every day at a holy space to, you know, maybe having a minute on my back porch in a certain chair. But I've discovered if I have that minute, it does in effect because I have, I have over. Years. 40 years, you know, I have a certain amount of a bank, emotional bank, thank goodness, piled up because of meditation. But so even that minute does impact. But I even believe if I don't, if I don't have a history, that that five minutes, I think it needs to be five minutes, but five minutes a day can make me seated in more consciousness. And it's funny, I'm working with this couple in couples counseling. I do couples kind of fun. I created this whole new thing. I think I'm going to copyright it. But it's a, it's a, it's a process where they commit to five minutes a day of sitting still and then they do individual therapy and the idea of the couples counseling is 
Each week they come in and talk about how their daily spiritual practice was and about one thing that they learned in their individual therapy that showed a pattern from their childhood history playing out in their adult relationships. So there's no conversation of, you know, you left the toothpaste top off. We're not dealing at all with what's happening in the relationship here and now. We're looking at our own spiritual practice and we're looking at how our past is playing into our relationship. Isn't that just witty? But anyway, so we've done this now for three weeks in this one sweet one. Three, this last was the third week. She just hadn't been able to get that five minutes. Just, you know, we've got children. We have things. We have life. It's very difficult. I can't do it. And by the way, I'd like to say I don't think this couple's counseling thing is working. And it was fantastic to watch her blame this, you know, this is kind of silly, you know, I want to talk about the toothpaste cap. You know, we've got a lot of serious things going on here, and you want to talk about spiritual practice in our past. I mean, really, this is not a good therapy for me. And I thought, wow, you know, I have done that a thousand times. And it's like, you know, what's right here that will, you know, really be the bounty of my life? I don't have time for that. I, you know, I know what I want. I know what's best, you know, and get the hell away, really. You know, and I was like, wow, 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 wow. You know, but it's, it's, it's fascinating, you know, to watch the journey. And, And the louder that I'm saying, get the, away from me, the most likely it is that that's good for me. That's the exact <laughs> thing. I have you discovered need that myself. To do. That's the exact issue you need to face. Oh. That's the exact behavior you need to step into. Yes, time after time, we and we know this. <laughs> but so, you know what I've every done? time is completely new. Yeah. I've gotten really good at. If I'm feeling a huge reaction, like, screw you, get away from me, I know that concept so well that I breathe, and I'm like, that's a really interesting idea. I'm going to look at that. I will not give you the satisfaction <laughs> of reacting, right? Because I know that. So, see, do you see I'm like the Ph.D. level of, you know, avoidance of, and manipulation. Say, of spiritual bypass. Yes, 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 because I, as I know if I react that way, it's going to be obvious. So I'll react this way, which appears... That I'm being but inside, open. You know inside, that. I'm like, what? You're an idiot. Yeah, but yes, yeah. no, I wouldn't say that out loud. Isn't that fascinating? I'm pleased. You're so complex. I'm so complex. So intricate. So many levels. It's like a high rise, an elevator, up and down, all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love this idea of um, spiritual practice helping us to get unstuck. And I think that there have been times in my life when I didn't know I was stuck, but because of my spiritual practice, right. I got this intuition or this insight right. that now is the time to change something or shift something. Right. And I didn't even know. I mean, I've gotten pretty good now at following that intuitive guidance, even when it seems like, why would I want to do that? You know, things are going to be fine. Why would I want to do that? But you know to follow, yes. Good girl. And most of the time, (laughs) obviously, there are times when I don't, and, and, you know, I don't get punished for it, but maybe in hindsight... A year later, I go, oh, yeah, I kept having that nudge, but I didn't really, I wasn't really conscious of it. I was kind of aware of it, but I didn't stop and pay attention to it. So it's usually not now where I'll go into a flat-out denial or refusal. Mm -hmm. It'll be, it's there, but I'm not really paying attention. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so lately... Actually, I guess I am stuck in the context of this conversation. Lately, I've been getting a lot of um, a lot of messages, sometimes internal and sometimes external, on two projects. One, this book that I've been the off- book you keep talking about the book, Trace. For two and a half years, uh, I had this book wanting to be birthed about uh, pain. Yes. Not being punishment, but being preparation for the next right. thing that you're going to do in your life. Yes. And in the last month or so, last four to six weeks, 
I'm getting these little nudges again, like, you know, what about the book? Well, you could be writing the book. Well, oh, there's a, you know, pull stuff out of your journal because that would be good for the book. And then the other thing is about prayers. I've had three people just in the last week, and I've probably had ten people in the last two months say to me, you know, Tracy, that was a really beautiful prayer. You should do a book of prayers. So when next time I'm in oh, fear, oh. I could just go to read a prayer that nice. you've written about okay. fear, about, you know, dealing with fear. Uh-huh. Or the next time, you know, I'm feeling um, like I'm not worthy, I could I would go to your book and read a, read a prayer. I don't think you should do a book. I think you should do, like, an audio somehow and put it on the Internet so people can, like, download, download that, that, yeah, to hear your voice. Because you do have a very good gift in that. Even I, who, you know, <laughs> even I, who just so struggles. To, when you're on the platform at the Center for Spiritual Living Dallas, and I've heard you say a prayer, it, you go there. It's there. It's not you. So no offense, it's, it's not you. It's God through you. Exactly. So, and so you write a prayer, it's the same thing. It's not me. But it's your voice, too. Yeah. I think it's the channeling of the voice, too. Saying, I like the, I like the voice. I think you should do it. I think it'll have be more impactful with your voice. That's okay, so like your number 11 in the last month. And I've had some of that when I'm in my own you know, prayer time or meditation time. This That would be a great product or yeah, a great download or, you know, it, that I should do it. And I'm stuck in, it's like I'm not consciously fighting it. It's like, oh, yeah, I hear that. Yeah, I even agree with it. Right. With both. It's, but they're coming up a lot as nudges, as mm-hmm. a, just a, a in a conversation or a Facebook message you know, private message where I sent someone a prayer and they're like, you should do a book of these. Um, And, okay, I'm not really doing anything consciously to move forward on either of those projects or in either of those directions. So in, in reality, I'm stuck in, oh, one day that'll be something I do. Right now, I'm too busy just being busy, <laughs> trying to figure out, you know, trying to to find the money to pay my bills this month. I'm just so busy doing that. Well, duh. You know, if I did either one of those things, and like you said, somebody could download it and pay 99 cents to download it, what if you had 1,000 people download it? There you go. It's $1,000. Now you're talking. Right? So... So I I think in this conversation there you go, Trace. I'm getting unstuck. I tell you. And you know that is that is how that's one of the mechanisms of getting unstuck is having conversations with people that we trust and we we consider our safe people. I always talk about that with the women in the jail. They need to find one safe person. So many times and certainly the experience of women that are incarcerated, you know, they don't have a safe space in the world. They don't have a place or a person to to just have that kind of rambling, here's what I'm thinking, here's what I'm feeling, is this, you know, the best for me kind of conversation, what would God do, what would love do, and then come out on the other tail end of that and um, have that experience of becoming like, okay, now, now I've got a direction. And I and I really keep coming to this idea that I am stuck if I can't sit for five minutes and be still. If I can't, if I, if I just can't manifest that, then that's a real big indicator. I'm hearing the you garbage stuck? truck you backing crisis? up. I'm hearing the garbage <laughs> truck backing up. Boop, boop. You feel, do you know that sound? Yeah. Yes, you're in trouble. If you can't sit, see you, see that sounds so judgmental. If I can't sit five minutes, big trouble. Garbage truck, garbage truck backing up. Trouble. Trouble. Trouble, what's that? There's Trouble. A song. There's a song there. Right That's it. That's it. That's it. I love that. Into the tea. Yes. So that is just a big indicator. You know, the best if I if I can't know how what to know where I am, there are indicators telling me. If I can't sit still for five minutes, if people are telling me the same thing and I'm seeing a theme but I'm resisting it, you know, there's a lot of ways to that the universe talks to me. Lots of ways, always. 
music. I have a lot of connection with songs on the radio. If I say, tell me what I need to know, if I have that little prayer and then I just turn on the radio to a random any station that I don't normally listen to, wow, it's a very, very interesting thing to play around with. Or the whole concept of writing the question in my dominant hand and then having the answer, writing it in my non-dominant hand to, to help me get unstuck. There's just a plethora. I like that word as well. Of ways to do it if I open my mind to it. If I just say you're laughing at me. Plethora. Plethora. Is that, is that a good word, isn't it? It's a great word. It means like lots and lots and lots and lots, right? Yes, it does. You used it correctly. Thank you. Gosh, that was scary for a moment. Not a word that Leslie used. I know. Plethora. I used to love that word. I used to, um, total digression. I used to say it a lot just because I loved it. People thought I was trying to show off (laughs) because I had a great vocabulary. I just like saying plethora. It does. It kind of rolls off the tongue. Yes, it's a very... um, I I grew up in a tradition of language and voice, which I don't use Which is why you have to say your prayers, Trace, because it does come across. Your voices, when you're on, you you have a different voice. And um, that this isn't a good voice that you're speaking in now, (laughs) but it's just it's a different voice when you're in your prayer mode. Yeah, and I I grew up in that in a uh, in a black church, an oratory in a black church in a traditional in a you know, historically in the black church, oratory. It's like when I listen to Maya Angelou, it's like yes. it's not unusual. It it doesn't feel, uh-huh. I don't mean to take anything away from her because I really honor her, and uh-huh. she is amazing. And at the same time, there are her manner of speaking, her dramatic uh-huh. way of speaking uh-huh. doesn't really impress me because... <gasps> I love Maya. No, and I, I, she love talks. I, I love, love how her. she talks. But I love it her. because that's how... Like a theater performance. That's how women in the black church yeah. are, are speak. I mean, it's it's like there are so many women who would be at the platform, on the platform, or at the podium, or at the microphone, and that even to give, like, Sunday morning announcements... Yes. It was it was <laughs> like a canter. It kind was of the thing. format, right? It mm-hmm. was the way the mm-hmm. people who I love ate, it. who were the best. Uh-huh. So I grew up with that, and I learned that, uh-huh. and then I unlearned it to be quote unquote effective and to assimilate in the business world, and and I know it. I mean, uh-huh. so I can go there. I, I don't do that when I'm in prayer. When I'm in prayer, I just get out of the way and let what. You know, what is it that spirit wants to say in this moment about whatever it is? But that manner of, you know, reading a poem or um, even, like I said, just making announcements but speaking in the way that that rhythm of it, it's like that's so innate to me that that's not the content of what Maya Angelou says, the wisdom of it obviously, is so powerful. Um, but just the fact that she talks the way she talks is like, it. It. it I love it because it makes It triggers me, you a bit to the year, yesteryear. See, I'm catching on. In a good on. way. I'm catching on. In yes, a good yes, way. I get you. It's I'm like going home. There you go. That's, yeah. Versus being impressed by it. Yes, it's right. like being enveloped in the love right. of tradition. And... Uh, bringing myself back to the standard of excellence that was modeled woman after woman after woman after woman uh, growing up and realizing that, yeah, I have to be conscious. Right. Yes. I I can be conscious and choose. And, you know, another thing that kind of can get me unstuck, talking about your hometown church, and, you know, there's so much of the black culture that is so, um, you know, sadly based in all of the horrible things came out these amazing communities, right? I would think that, yes. sadly, that was kind of the 
genesis of it, but the, the, the outpouring of that community is is um something I just smile and think, gosh, that's you know, there's a there's a foundation to that, a sense of family to that that is just unknown to me. But many times I think we take that foundation or that family of a childhood religion or a childhood relationship with a childhood God and we just stay with it. And it was interesting in one of the groups this week in the jail, there's mostly, our program is one of the few programs that's not, um, we are 12-step based, higher power based. We will specifically tell the women we're not a Christian program, we're not going to hand out Bible verses, we're not, Nobody in the pod can try to convert somebody else to, you know, a certain type of spiritual experience. Everybody gets to be what they want to be. But still, 60%, you know, identify and certainly have a language of traditional Christianity. And there was this one woman, a young woman in group this week, and she said, you know, I'm trying to figure out who God is. And she actually languished it. She said, you know, it's hard here because everybody in here mostly says, you know, it's God and it's Jesus Christ and you got to turn your life over. And she said, I just know that I don't believe that. And I said, well, you know, for a year, for about three years, I went through a time when I was starting in 12-step programs where when I said God, I triggered that childhood God. And so I actually renamed God. I said, I, I gave God the name Euphoria. Because I thought about it for a while. What is this relationship? How do I want, what does it feel like? What would be euphoria? So I use the word euphoria and sh- to shift all of my energy around God away from what I had been taught. And now I might have come back exactly to the same space that right. I started, but the journey then it would be my experience instead of an unconscious acceptance of someone else's education of me. And she really got into that. And it was funny to watch some of the women get very nervous at the idea exactly. that we might be changing God's name. That yes. just seemed like lightning may be striking. Perhaps I should leave the room. Um, but, you know, and again, to me, if I'm resistant to even allowing the idea of something to come into my space, then that's saying something about me being stuck. You know, if I feel the hairs on the back of my neck stand up and say, oh, don't do that, then that's a message to me that there's something about that I'm accepting something that maybe, you know, that I'm not accepting something that could be helpful to me if I would open my ears a little bit more. But I really believe this whole idea of choosing, consciously choosing how I relate to God, who God is to me, what the energy is, what the philosophy, what the what the significance of my relationship is so important to spend time being conscious of. So what just went through my mind as I was listening to you is, you know, we we always talk about God is, the, the omnis as someone in my uh, spiritual practices class referred to them, the omnis. Who are the um, omnis? Omnipresent, omniscient. Hmm. That's cute. Right, you know, um, that rather than keep saying the whole list of, of uh-huh. omnis, it's like, you know, the omnis. <laughs> like it's a singing yeah. group yeah. or something. Uh, yeah. But in addition to the omnis, one of the qualities that we know is true about spirit is that spirit is always expanding, always growing, mm. always having a different experience of life even though there is no experience that is outside of spirit because everything that ever has been created, ever could be created, is created by spirit that is always present, right, all-knowing, all-powerful. But it's not the same in every moment, right? Or to every person. They don't experience it the same. Right. Right. Life by design is designed to change and shift, just like every form of life is different. Every species of life has unique individual expressions of that species, whether it's fish or flowers or man or, you know, humanity. And so spirit itself is always 
I say growing, but I don't mean growing necessarily getting bigger. Having different experiences, like the kaleidoscope. When you look in the kaleidoscope and then you turn it, yes. the pieces fall differently. Mm-hmm. And it's different. It's same a pieces. different experience, right, but the pieces are the same. Right. And you turn the end again or you turn the kaleidoscope and hold it up at a different angle, the pieces rearrange themselves and it's different. And so this idea that things should not change or things should only change in the way I want them to change When I turn the kaleidoscope, I'm turning the kaleidoscope, but I don't have control over where the pieces fall, right? So then I look and I look for the beauty in that new configuration because I'm fascinated You don't shake it up and start turning it really fast and go, no, 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 what the heck, that's the wrong configuration. Where'd it go? Go back, go back, go back. And you can never, right, in the kaleidoscope? You can't ever go back, right? You're never gonna, you can't you're go not back. Gonna have you're the always same. going forward. Yes, but that whole panic of just, you know, just wait. I really like that one. that thing around. That's not good, you don't think? I like that one. I want that one back. Let's see if I can get that one uh-huh. back. Let's, uh-huh. let's see if I can get back the way that we loved each other on the day we were married. <laughs> right? I'm going to just keep turning, keep turning, but I'm always looking backwards uh-huh. instead of looking at what it could be now. Because the love, the love is the pieces, and they, they appear different. Yeah, they appear different. That's a good little metaphor. That I really like is. It. I, I like need to write that down. You that should. would be great to I'm clean up in that for the Sunday talk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So all the same pieces. It just looks different. And am I attached to the look of it, or do I attach to the pieces? To themselves? the substance of right. it. Right. 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 That's wisdom. Yes, Tracy, look at you. Look at you. See there? I think the next time I do a Sunday talk that I'll just have you on the platform with me. And we'll just just have a conversation for 25 Uh minutes. Uh And everybody will just be wowed. That's it. It's the wow we're looking for. Exactly. Because it's it's good stuff. (laughs) And, again, it's the conversation. I, I so love the conversation, and I'm so engaged by the conversation, and I think the more people have the conversations like this, it just it 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 allows a deepening a deepening all the time. And it's funny because the women in jail—it's such an easy reference for me—but you know they're in jail, so they have a lot of time, and it's fascinating to watch the choices made. So you know, I absolutely know that I'm pretty busy. I have a lot of different things going on. But I also know there was a time three years ago where I had nothing going on. And I pretty much got about the same amount of that done on, you know, my quote-unquote passion or my quote-unquote destiny. And so how I spend my time, and those women in the jail, they've got 24 hours of nothing. But, you know, at the end of those 24 hours, you know, 20 of them will have done some homework and will have talked to each other about their spiritual program and done some step work and they'll really have moved forward in their program and then you know the other 20 of them will have watched Jerry Springer and done their hair and played cards and you know so again it's a choice and regardless of quote unquote how much free time I have I I I think I still make those it's a, it's more of an internal motivation versus a literal amount of time because if that internal motivation, if that ter- internal commitment, discipline, oh, does that sound like work? It sounds like work suddenly. Now I'm having a bad reaction. I don't like it at all. But I think that's part of it. You know, I have to get into that routine, that ritual. And it's what we say all the time. You change your thinking, change your life. But what I say to that always, and if you've listened, anybody's listened to the show more than a dozen times has heard me say this, um, it, it, it's the step in between changing your thinking that changes your life, and that's change your thinking, change your actions, and change your life. And so I don't necessarily think of that as discipline in a bad way, but if I really am changing my thinking which or changing my choice, which is 
a mind thing. It's a mental decision. Right. But then that's going to show up in what I do, in the steps I take, in the action I take, in the person I talk to, in what I say and how I do it. It's that action. Mm -hmm. And then when I start doing those different actions over and over, they create new habits. Changes the belief, doesn't it? Isn't that the step right before the life changes? Doesn't that have to change my belief? Well, I think the belief is is in your head. It's what you think. But I know what you believe by what you do. Okay. And then when you do that enough, you turn around one day, you open your eyes, and you go, wow, my life is really different, right? My life is really different. So if I'm in in the jail and we I come to a session that you do, and I love it in that moment, and I think, oh, yeah, I really want my life to be different. But then, like you said, if I spend all my time until the next session right. watching reality TV right. and the news and playing cards and doing hair, right. I haven't changed any of my behavior, even yes. though the idea yes. is in my head right. that I want my life to be different, right. and I'm ready for that. I'm not taking any action toward it. So a week later when I come to the next meeting you do, uh-huh. my life really hasn't changed much, right. even though the idea in my head is there. And that's really, I think that's the, that's the case of all transformation. It's exactly. creating a daily. And I like the idea of a daily practice, a daily ritual, much better than discipline or work. <laughs> than using the word. <laughs> it's all about the language. Yeah, I uh, and the 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 spiritual practice for me, whether it's daily or weekly or monthly, I think when we're really trying to change, you're right. There has to be some daily action, daily movement, and as much as I can, bring something spiritually grounding into that. That it is exactly what helps me get unstuck. Right, keeps me moving. And then by definition, if I'm moving, if I'm, I'm having a daily stuck. practice, and I'm not stuck, it might be slow. I might. I might not be moving at, you know, well, rapid I, speed. but If I've been playing out something that I've been feeling since I was five years old and I'm 65, <laughs> yes. it may not happen in six minutes right. or six days right? because I've lived it for six de- decades. Right. But it is the daily practice that moves you from that place of being stuck to knowing you're on the journey to changing your life. And taking that matter forward to that next level in terms of that spiritual practice, I do think there, you know, and I've experienced this in terms of when I'm committed to that spiritual practice, there will be an experience of Jesus coming down and showering off that tar, whatever that, however that spirit plays out for me, whatever language I use, there will be a moment where something happens, 12 steps, one of the promises, you know, God will do for me what I can't do for myself. If I'm putting in my little pennies into my little penny bank every day, you know, suddenly there's something mystical and magical that does transform that into a dollar bill. And and then suddenly it's like, wow, boom. Yeah, and then and I have then to work you, really hard to go backwards. Into, and then you move from, uh, since you don't like the word <clears throat> discipline, mm-hmm. you move into what Michael Beckwith calls blissipline. Bliss, oh, and it becomes a blessing. Because, or right, you about feel it. bliss be, because mm-hmm. you're doing this. You're taking action I in like your life. That. Loving the, that you're getting results from it, so it becomes yes. a part of your discipline because you're choosing. It. Oh, good, Michael Beckwith. That's a good. That's a Beckwithism. Yes, it is. Great. So that's about all the time we have for uh, say yes to spirit today, and TikTok, we are TikTok. officially unstuck. There we go. <laughs> only took that. And so, since we are officially unstuck, next time we'll talk about change. <laughs> Perfect. So until we meet again, please remember to say Say yes yes to to spirit.
Alexa, play Imagine Dragons. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get access to over 50 million songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.